Hey guys, how's it going? Awesome. Thanks for thanks for coming on. I actually um I'm I'm excited to meet you guys and and talk because when I was starting off with NFTs, you guys were the first podcast I ever listened to on on the subject, which is pretty awesome. Oh, awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. I think it was the Hackatel one, if I remember correctly. I was looking on your website and I think maybe the first episodes you don't have listed on there anymore. Is that is that correct? Or? No, we do, but you've just got to scroll back quite far. Scroll back. Time. Yeah. Um the the there is actually another list that you can go to, which is just a long list of the gerbils. But yeah, if you if you go to podcast, then it's a few pages back, the early ones. Yeah, and I, I um I remember I listened to Zima Red by Andrew Steinworld and I listened to your guys' podcast. Right around the same time, I think. And I think I saw a mention, were you guys the very first one? First NFT podcast? We were the second. Second. Yeah. Digitally Rare uh, had about nine months on us. Oh, okay. And um, well, you're the first one I think I stumbled across. And not even sure how that happened, but I think I literally typed in NFT into the Apple you know, podcast and it, it brought up a bunch of nonsense and you filtered through it. And then it brought up, I think, uh, your guys' thing. And that's when I started listening. So the Hackatow um, one was actually our one year anniversary, I believe. So because we did a big uh, treasure hunt for it. Oh yeah. So you've been doing it for a year. So 2019 is when you started. Yeah, yeah. And we had so, Eleonora Brizzi uh, uh, representing for Hackatow. Yeah, their spokesperson. I remember that. Yeah, she is. Uh, when you meet her in real life, she is awesome. She's she's so cool. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, I got to do uh, for a project I was working on about a year ago. I got to do a. Uh, conference call with Eleonora and the, and the actual couple, uh, Hackatow. And, um, she translated for us and, uh, cause I, I don't speak Italian. And, um, that was really cool though. It was like, cause I've always, they were one of my favorite, like first artists. Honestly, I probably heard about them from you guys. And then I got into their art and, and a few months after that podcast came out, I bought one of their one ones and, uh, oh, nice. I've always, yeah, I've always been a big fan. And so that was cool. It's cool to like, you know, come full circle from being just a spectator to actually getting to like participate, which is, which is fun. Yeah. Oh, man, we, we passed up so many one of one hackatiles back in the day. So like, oh, those are expensive. There's nothing what they're compared to now. Right. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, being in it for so long, did you do much collecting or investing back then? Well, um, we, we dabbled, we dabbled with, um, we, we sort of bought things to be, a, to take part in the community. Um, and so we bought things that were, were cheap, really, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. really we didn't have the sort of investing thesis on NFTs at the time. We were like, mm, yeah. oh, we don't know where it's going. We collected things that were cool and we bought loads of crypto voxels land and things like that. But, um, no, I mean, so we, we, one of our first interviews was John Watkinson and <laughs> George and I were like, we should probably buy some crypto punks, you know? And, uh, and they were $11 before we did. Oh man. And then. And then we did the episode uh, and it released. And then that week, they went up to $35. And we're like, oh, we can't buy them now. They're just triple in price. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Oh, that's cool. I, I haven't listened to that one. I'll have to go back and listen to that. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it's hard not to shoot yourself when, I mean, you know, anyone who's been in the space a long time has all those stories, right? Of like, oh, I saw this or I saw that. And I should have bought it. I should have done this, should have done that. But It's elation and despair being in this in this world, I think. I mean, it teaches you some good life lessons. Like just, I don't know, just the other day, maybe yesterday, I was thinking about all the stuff that I uh, should have sold at the top, right? And that I'm still holding on to. And I, I'm not mad about it. Like whatever, you, you can't, you know, no one's a perfect trader or very few people are even close to perfect. And 
you know, you gotta, you gotta have, to have the right mindset. You can't be like looking back at all your mistakes or else you'll go crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, George and I made, made a decent amount of, uh, money from mainly, the uh, land. Oh, nice. Through the, through the bull market. And, um, and we, we are in the process of just buying lots of NFTs as we go for the last year, we've been quite buying quite a bit. So we're just kind of building up a portfolio of, well, mostly art, um, <laughs> and a few <laughs> sort of like art PFPs done by artists, um, things like that. Yeah. I, I kind of had the sense that you guys aren't real, like, like, it's almost like there's two worlds of NFT land, if you want to call it that, or the metaverse or whatever, you know, most, most of it is at least for me and, and the people I associate with, with NFTs, it's mostly through Twitter, which is now X or whatever you want to call it. But that represents like a very skewed uh, reality, I think. And you have these influencers and you have like a very small little bubble. But I kind of feel like one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys is I kind of feel like you guys are outside of that bubble. And um, it'd be nice to let people understand that there's this other world of people that are into NFTs that aren't just on Twitter, you know, trying to make themselves look look better and stuff. That's a very is a very nice way of saying that we've got a tiny following yet being being here, but one of the longest. <laughs> well, I think it's intentional, right? I mean, you guys could have. I mean, I, you know, you're not on Twitter every day trying to get attention, and that's that's perfectly fine. There, no, it's true. Um, no, we we've we've never taken sponsorship, and we've never really shouted too loudly in the space. You know, we we mm-hmm. we do our thing, and we make gerbils, and we do episodes. Although that's slowed down, but. It's still going, you know. We we when we stumble across something that we find particularly interesting, and actually we've got a backlog of about ten people that we want to interview at the moment. Mm. But uh, it's uh, it's it's been a a busy summer all around. I think. How did you guys get into it in the first place? Into NFTs? How did you guys meet? And then how did you decide to do a podcast? Yeah, good question. Uh, Luke and I have known each other since we were kids, um, and. Um, we uh yeah we used to well we live next door to each other basically and um i got into crypto quite serendipitously like pretty early in 2011 um and um i was i was writing a research piece for i was in advertising and i was writing a research piece on online payments and i came across uh uh uh, uh hang was hacker news article about it and and then i decided to go to a um a meetup in London, a Bitcoin meetup in London, and just fell down the rabbit hole, met loads of interesting people. I was probably going through a fairly libertarian phase at the time. Um, and um, and so and so since then, I've just been just in the space, uh, sort of living and breathing it ever since. And and then eventually I like grabbed Luke by the, by the collar and was like, man, you've got to get into this. This is, I think that was in 2015, Luke. Um, yes, doesn't mean and um and then and so we sort of lived the whole ethereum thing together and and that was that was really exciting and just as the sort of the very first sort of iterations of nfts were coming out we felt like this it was it was a sort of fun creative area of the crypto space and crypto space then um you know was was very exciting but it you know it's it's charts and you know fully diluted valuations and 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 quite quite you know full on technology and and this just felt really really fun and interesting so we 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 dived right in and and I'll I'll let Ted Luke tell you about how we came up with non fungible was it oh yeah because um well you approached me and said we've got to do a podcast together and I was like 
Um, man, I was thinking to exactly the same thing. Um, and so that was 2018. And we, we thought, well, let's create an NFT uh, as part of this uh, explorative journey. Um, but we didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, and we were bouncing names around for um, a little while. And then my wife said, um, we were sat at dinner and she just went, you should call it non-fun gerbils. And put <laughs> my brilliant put my knife and walked. I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> I'm t- I'm text- texting George right now, um, and then we stayed up all night uh, bouncing gerbil, silly gerbil names backwards and forwards, and, and writing little stories, uh, all, all the potential possibilities. And it, it was a no-brainer. We had to do it uh, once once that idea had come about. So, did the NF the first non-fungible NFT? Did it coincide with the first episode? Yes, yeah, so we we announced uh, we opened the competition on the first episode, which was to come up mm-hmm. with the backstory for Genesis Gerbil, and uh, and then on the second episode we announced uh, the winner, and thus the Genesis Gerbil was born. And then how did you mint it? Uh, because that was a while ago. Yeah, so uh, I, I played around with minting on a number of different platforms and ended up going with Mintable and bought a. a mm. A, a sort of founder's mintable pass, which would give you, you know, uh, free minting. Well, not free minting, but um, uh, free from their additional fees uh, for life. And minted a few gerbils, a few test ones, and a few different things, and then uh, decided that was the way to go because you could do it a big batch of them. And there, oh, sorry, there are seven twenty ones. Yeah, the ERC seven twenty ones. Um, and then we found that it was getting really expensive to to mint them. And so Zach, uh, the founder of Mintable, wrote us a new contract that was much more gas um, optimized um, and enabled us to to batch mint much more efficiently. Uh, and then so we used that for a long time until Ethereum got crazy expensive. And then we moved to Flow. Yeah. When did you move to Flow? Uh, when did we move to Flow? It was about a year ago. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe a year and a half, actually. Yeah. So, George, I have a couple of questions. When you went to that first uh, BTC meetup, did you tell anyone, like any of your friends or family, that you were going to this? And like, what was that even like? Um, so, I, 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 um, I went from work. I, my, the ad agency I was was just like near near this area uh, in East London, where 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 the the meetup was going on, and um, and so I just wandered down there, and um. And I watched this chat called Amir Taki talk, um, who was a very sort of early, uh, early proponent of of the technology, and um, and and it was very sort of down with the banks, and 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 I I didn't understand the technology at that point. I just understood that there was something super exciting going on, and everyone was very excited about it. And then um, I I didn't I didn't understand how technology uh progresses through time and how adoption works i i immediately thought i just missed the boat and i was way too late and <laughs> um um but but so so what i what i ended up doing was um i wanted to brand bitcoin companies because that's what i did for a living was slogans and and copywriting and adverts and stuff and and so i just i made little cards and <laughs> went down to these meetups every week and handed them out and 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 said you know I'll 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 brand your bitcoin company um it was way too early there was very few bitcoin companies and you couldn't actually build on bitcoin which no one realized at that point um and then and then they invented litecoin and then and then that 
you know, some friends showed me that you could, you know, you could trade between these two. And then there was this huge Cambrian explosion of crazy, um, uh, very early uh, Bitcoin clones, basically. Yeah. And, um, and that, that, that eventually led me to, to the early sort of community of Ethereum. And I, mm. and I became an Ethereum groupie. Um, and then I started a company in crypto sort of separate, separate to, to this, uh, gerbil life. And I, I, I run a crypto fund, um, that we started in 2016 and has been going ever since. Oh. Um, so that's my day job. Um, and this is, this is my, my hobby with my best mate. <laughs> that's awesome. So did you guys do the ICO, the Ethereum ICO? Um, so I think, I think I hadn't told Luke about it at that point. Um, no, I, it's a, I came along just after the ICA. Yeah. Well, a little bit after actually. I, um, I had a bit of a strange, strange one because, um, there, there was actually a, 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 a pre, an, another ICO that Vitalik pulled, um, just before the Miami conference. And, um, and I, I was ready for that one and was a little bit concerned that I, that the second one was going to have a lot more people involved. So I actually sat it out. Uh, <laughs> Um, um, and then, um, and then, and then realized my mistake pretty quickly afterwards. And, uh, I managed to get, I managed to get hold of some, um, uh, uh, off a developer and then, you know, had, had to wait a year and a half for the chain to work and then, and then got hold of them. Mm -hmm. So I, I almost feel like I took part in it, but actually in reality, um, um, I didn't one of those. You're not going to name still, drop there then. George. I'm not going to name drop no, okay, but fair enough. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, come on, name drop. Let's hear it. Uh, uh, so yeah, we're just you know one one of the very early Ethereum um, developers. Basically, I'm not going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give him his name. He's long. He's long gone. He, he's not in the ecosystem anymore. But okay, um, he 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 uh, he was very kind because effectively we wrote the first SAFT agreement, right? Because the chain. This was a year and a half before Ethereum was even working. Um, so, uh, we had a, we had a little agreement and, um, sure enough, a year and a half later, um, he sent me my ether, which I then very quickly, like treated like a shit coin and, you know, the rest is, <laughs> the rest is, it's not like I hodled to $4,000, right? So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, so that I, I became, yeah, I mean, obviously I was, I was interested in, in, in everything Ethereum, but, but, um, yeah, it was just just the general technology, but you know, in in all its various forms, and uh, and then and then the way that I felt that I could really, you know, help out because I'm not a developer, right? I I can't write a single line of code. <laughs> um, was was to allocate capital, um, and that's that's what I ended up becoming, like a crypto VC, I guess you call them. <laughs> Did you read the Cryptopians by uh, Laura Shin? I haven't yet. Um, yeah, I know I know all the characters in the yeah. book and I know a lot of the stories uh but I I haven't I haven't actually sat down and had a proper proper session with it yet Luke you're nodding your head it looks like you read it yeah I I well I listened to the audiobook it was yeah. very fascinating to because I came in um to Ethereum just before the DAO and uh and oh watched everything happen with the DAO and was you know was there you know taking part in all of that and so it was very interesting to hear the breakdown of exactly what happened and who was doing what and and then went on to found which project and oh my goodness it's it's a fascinating book so i had a technical question i always wonder if you're the perfect one to ask about this uh so let's say you invested in the ico for ethereum 
how did that even work? Because it's not like there was Ethereum wallets back then. So th- how did you get the tokens? How did you pay for the tokens? Like how did that all, how did that work? Well, I, I, I'd like to tell you that I, I know, but I didn't actually invest at the, yeah. at the time, but, but I, I think it was basically, um, uh, you know, you, 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 I think you could send Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you can send Bitcoin, uh, to, to an address and you'd get allocated Ethereum in the Genesis wallet. And then you'd sit there and you'd stare at the Genesis wallet for a year and a half until the chain was working. And then, and then there was a, ve- there was the, I think the earliest wallet was, was a, was called Mist. It was a Mist, Mist wallet. Um, no, I remember a man. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, I, th- I think, yeah, you, you could, you could, you could claim your tokens. Um, um, and, um, obviously I didn't go through that process myself, but for those who did, um, have at it. Nice one. Um, you're probably on an Island somewhere. It's kind of similar to crypto punks in that. Like, I, I feel like I was pretty early to crypto punks, but I didn't, cl- I didn't claim them. And actually they were around for, I think a year or so before over a year before I've stumbled across them, but they were like, you know, 50 bucks. But, uh, so, I mean, they didn't really go up in value a lot in that first year and a half. And, and so if you really zoom in on it, it's like, oh, I wasn't really that early at all. But if you zoom out, it's like, well, compared to 99% of people, you're still there, you know, pretty, pretty early. S- same as you with Ethereum, it kind of sounds like. Crypto punks were free. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they were free to win. I've got a friend who, uh, well, just the gap. Yeah, it was like a dollar, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, if that, um, yeah, a friend yeah. of mine who's a he's a lawyer who was just happened to be uh, who's Carla McJay, uh, who's one of the gerbils supporters. She's happened to be there, and she was trying to mint crypto banks. And, and actually, John Watkinson, I think it's John Watkinson, uh, was actually helping her directly to mint these things. And get oh wow! Backing. And so it, it was really cool to to be there, and and she was scooping up loads of them. <laughs> right place, right time. There was a great um, tweet that I saw from Nick Carter, and it said, no matter how hard you try, you can never go back and, uh, I'm sorry, it was, no matter how hard you try, you can never go back and, you know, buy Bitcoin for a dollar, you know, and it was sort of talking about all these ICOs. It's like, that's what all these ICOs were, right? It was everyone who missed missed out on Bitcoin were just wanting to get in on the next Bitcoin and everything was the next Bitcoin. And, you know, 99.9% of them were just total junk. Uh, of course, Ethereum wasn't, and a few others weren't, but almost all the other ones were. And I feel like the same thing repeated itself with NFTs. It's like everyone wanted to be the next CryptoPunk and then Bored Ape. And pretty much everything after that that was like that has failed, you know, because it already happened. Like once all the hype is there, it totally changes everything. It's not It's not the same thing. Yeah, I think that that pretty much perfectly describes how permissionless technology develops. Uh, right, because there's no barrier to entry, uh, and it's all network effects. So you know, the first protocol that solves a problem and and really gains the network effect, um, you know, everything else is everything else that comes after that that doesn't actually push the boundary from an innovation perspective dwindles after time because there's there's no there's no real point to it. If you're if right. if if it's, if it's a if it's a clone and the network effect is happening somewhere else. Like you know, forget it. But I, I think I think also though that this it's all it's all okay. Like because it's okay to experiment and it's okay to try. And it's it's also a spectrum from people who are just cloning stuff and trying to get lucky all the way through to people who are trying to push the boundaries. And and that's just how we're gonna get 
development in this space. It's going to be ugly and it's going to be strange. And we're going to go down cul-de-sacs and come back. Eth Ethereum's not not you know alone alone in that. You know, it's it's done a huge amount of cul-de-sacs back and forth, and you know, Ethereum two point zero took took ten times longer than anyone expected. But I think generally what you're describing is is just the sort of the messy work of innovation and and especially in a permissionless open source world, right? So um it's the it's the it's it's a sort of tsunami of stuff and 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 NFTs are, are the perfect example of that, right? <laughs> like they are um you know, the barriers to entry come down the more that the 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 that the technology is innovated upon. Um and and hey, here we are with you know a billion PFPs. Um, but at that point, it's all about curation. And I think I think Luke and I have had a lot of fun trying to curate ourselves and discuss ourselves what we what we like, what we don't like, what's fun, what's not. And actually, that's what the NFT space is is probably all about. If you know if if you're if you're chasing price floors all over the place, fine. Like that's part of the engine of how this space works. But but really, you're you're missing the fun. It really was the Wild West. I mean, it still is, but uh, yeah, that's what's fun about it. Fun and dangerous and exciting and kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, that's what crypto, the entire way across the crypto ecosystem, that kind of describes what it's like. It's just it's just the the most powerful technology I think we've ever created. Okay, I don't want to get too over the top, but um, I think I think, you know, the ability for, you know, for us to, to coordinate in a far more trustless way, uh, this you know, Satoshi's invention. This is where this is where we end up. We end up with just complete craziness and and the boom and bust cycles and all the tradfi world thinking that this is all some crazy scam, uh, <laughs> and then deciding actually it's not a crazy scam and they need to get in on it. Um, um, I think that's just it's just part of it. It's just speaks to the power of the invention. How crazy was the? the bull run of a couple of years ago for you guys, because I mean, I had a similar experience. I had been in, I had been, you know, playing around with NFTs on pretty much a daily basis since probably early 2018 with like crypto kitties initially and, and then other stuff. And, um, I, I, you know, I think as you guys probably were there too mentally, like I, I knew it was important and I knew it was cool and I enjoyed it and I was sort of obsessed with it, but I never in a million years thought that I would have something I bought be worth 20,000 times more in a, less than a year. Like it was just completely insane. And some of the, like the top shot weeks of top shot when it was just going completely nuts and like, like some of the, I will never see that again. Like it, it was just insane. How, how crazy was that to experience? The, the, the rise of NFTs was really, uh, much more rapid and vast than we expected. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 we knew it was going to, well, we thought it was going to come in a couple more years, like two, three, four years. And, and one year later, it was just getting crazy. So yeah, things come quickly and unexpected when they come. That's what my friend told me. He was into Bitcoin maybe as long as George. And he was my good friend from high school and, and even middle school. And um, he kind of got me interested in all this stuff like in around 2018. And it was dead then, right? It was like a ghost yard, like the bubble had burst and Anyone who was smart would tell you don't invest in this stuff. It's it's junk, you know. And I was just kind of like, well, I don't know. It's interesting. I'll just put a few dollars into it and see what happens. And then uh, he told me that he said, when you're least expecting it, like stuff will just rocket up 
and and you'll miss out and you'll think that it's going to go back down and it won't and then you, you know it's like so just be prepared it'll happen i don't know when but it's going to happen it's like little volcanoes going off you know one one project will go crazy top shot will suddenly explode and then board apes will will do the board eight thing and it's all all you know it's it's happening all around you and you're going oh holy wow uh and then hopefully you're in one that explodes you know if, if yeah <laughs> it's um but it's interesting because uh, throughout all of this, you know, different various communities pop up. I know community is a buzzword, but um, mm. it's interesting to see the communities that stay, the people that stay, and and like right now in 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 the middle, in the thick of the bear market, looking to where the vibrant communities are and who's still building, who, who's got their head down and they're, they're creating products and they're releasing them, and and people are getting together. That's that's the interesting bit of the moment, I think, and actually it's. It's a breath of fresh air because in a bull market, things get crazy. You can't concentrate. You know, you've just got to sort of sit back and watch it and let it do its thing. And it's it's all consuming, and you you try to keep up with it, but but it grows so much that you can't actually keep on top. Like at one point, we knew every project in the space, and we were sort of keeping up with all of them. And then as that expanded and grew out, we just got completely exhausted and overwhelmed trying to keep up with everything. So you go, okay, well, I'm just going to focus focus my attention in this direction and in this direction and pick the things that you that resonate with you and um yeah it's interesting to see what's left certainly the the art community the community of artists is one of the strongest in the nft space yeah i want to talk more about art but just to just to, one other thought i had was i got to the point of complete fatigue where you know people in my chat group with pep and other people would would chime in every day with like the latest thing that was about to drop and like you could get an allow list by doing this or you you know mint at this time or the, whatever and it would be like the dumbest thing ever like you know lazy lions or fucking uh spookies or whatever and literally like the last nine i had minted i could immediately sell for three times the price so i'm like okay i guess i'll do this one today but like it was exhausting and like morally it didn't feel good you know i was like why am i doing why am i doing this but I, you almost felt compelled until until the bubble finally kind of popped, which you knew it was going to happen, but you didn't know when. And it kept going up and up and up and up way more than I thought it would. Sure, it was fun and everything, but I, I hear what you're saying. Like now, if I go into a Discord or or whatever, talk to people on Twitter, have a podcast, you know, it's the hype's kind of completely gone. And so it is nice to kind of see who's actually here because they enjoy it and, and who's actually building cool stuff and not just hyping some dumb project. I, th I think the cycles are, are really important to how the technology develops because the next the next time you know maybe a year or however long it is you know when the tide comes back in um you know it'll be something slightly different um you know the whole the whole ico thing kind of morphed um and and tokens actually you know, people came to understand tokens better and understand what they could be used for and 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 engineers created better tokens better systems um and um and that was part of the 2021 you know bull market um you know with things like staking and 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 governance and things like that and um and i've no doubt that the work that's going on now will appear in a year or two um and will have taken nfts on in some way and and i think the craziness will come back at least at least since since i've I've been in crypto that that's happened. Um, things have been re-engineered and recreated and, and have got more utility and more innovation. And then 
the the the, the tide comes back in, and wow, everyone's everyone's talking about it. The same thing, but slightly different. Um, so um, I'm 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 hopeful that that uh, uh, you know we'll we'll reemerge with a, a more interesting, more um, more I don't know, in, embracing to wider people across across the world, um, and and it'll go big again. Does your fund um, have any kind of NFT investment thesis, or is it? Do you guys just do coins? Uh, no, so so we are all we. We were very interested in it. We we have a a slight, um, I guess, a predicament in terms of how you value NFTs. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a it's a public company, and we have you know full third party audits, right? And you need you need a certain amount of you need a liquid market in order to price what's in the portfolio for 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 a, for a company like that. And we we couldn't work out how an auditor would would value. A full price of a crypto punk, you know. So, um, um, yeah, we we didn't we didn't create a an NFT portfolio um, uh, as such. Although, obviously, we, you know, as as a team, we uh, we we've always been very interested in them, and and um, you know, perhaps you know, investing into the infra- infrastructure of the NFT yeah. world might might be a thing. Um, but yeah, so so far, it's um, it's left to me and my gerbil, my gerbil persona. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't tend to link the two together that much because <laughs> um, they're obviously in the same world, but you know, one's a sort of fairly big grown-up company, and the other's me on a podcast with my mate. <laughs> so, but, Luke, Luke, but, do you have a day job? Uh, yes, um, yeah. actually, I I um, I uh, I work in an infrastructure company that builds infrastructure on the Flow blockchain. Oh, you do? Okay. So you guys both have crypto jobs because I have a non-crypto job and it's like, I can't tell anyone about any of the stuff. So it's kind of funny. Like some of my good friends from way back know about it and that's that's about it in real life. So I feel like I have this like double life. It's kind of weird. I have I have the opposite problem. I eat, sleep, breathe it every day, nonstop, pretty much around the clock. And um, it's sometimes nice to meet people who don't know anything about it and I don't I didn't that's true talk about it <laughs> yeah that's true it gets tiresome of the same questions probably over and over and over again uh pat what were you gonna say something uh, so i had a couple of things um one was so on the topic of funds investing in nfts you reminded me of so a couple of us communicate with a couple of people who work at 6529 and they have a similar problem um with audits and stuff and one of our friends has part of his day job is to sit there and write a detailed sort of description and thesis on crypto dicks bars for example and and <laughs> having to explain in detail what this thing is and describe it visually and then hand that over to a, a like a, a, a legit auditor <laughs> that has never had to deal with this stuff it, it made me laugh um the other one on on cul-de-sacs and on the different different uses of tokens and experimentation through the bear market have you been paying much attention to friend tech and do you have any thoughts on that potential cul-de-sac uh, for, for, for myself i've been just watching it from afar I've been I've been just on on crypto Twitter watching people comment and think about it. I haven't I haven't scratched the surface that much at the moment. Um, I read I saw an interesting tweet today where it's like you know um, guys don't get too excited that this is this is this is the new big thing because uh, you know getting getting two thousand dollars for writing something is not going to scale. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think I think we've. We've seen these before. Um, I'm not going to compare it to Steam it, but that was the 
that was probably the original right um and then and then and then there were a few other iterations but again i I go back to you know what i said right at the beginning which is unless it's outright fraud it's okay to experiment and try because that's kind of that's kind of how we're going to get to wherever it is that we're going um we're going to try it and see some things will blow up and 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 you think this is the next big thing and then it's like wow actually it doesn't it, it doesn't scale in the way we, that we thought it would um but yeah uh, specific to friend.tech i i don't i haven't dug deep enough yet to 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 really um you know ha- have an opinion you said in a couple of years the innovation that's taking place now engineers are coming up with different token formats and different eips is there any of that that really excites you in particular any eips or any 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 of that side of things that you you kind of got one eye on oh that's gonna do well or that's gonna birth a bunch of cool shit or um i think i think a lot of what's happening at the moment is is based around scaling um um the 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 way that ethereum has has effectively um changed its changed its inner structure to allow people to create roll-ups and and effectively what used to be called side chains but probably yeah, quite a lot more uh, uh, technologically advanced than what we originally thought a sidechain was, um, and and then there's some really interesting stuff happening in areas of the ecosystem that you might call modular, um, where they're they're kind of breaking out, breaking the the sort of blockchain stack apart, um, and using using things called fraud proofs to effectively allow it to work in a similar way but get massive potential throughput and security advantages um and then um i think i think defi also has a, a you know a huge part to play in what's coming uh, it 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 like the rest of the ecosystem is very boom and bust <laughs> tvl goes up and tvl disappears and so on and so forth but i think i think um app specific chains that are building defi applications that l- look and feel pretty much identical to a centralized exchange um you know with with order books that you know don't take gas fees for example um to place an order uh, there's no slippage there's no no um no uh, uh you know loss uh, in in various ways um that that also is is really super exciting um and all of these use tokens in different ways um um so I think those those are three the the the, the new layers on Ethereum, um, uh, app specific chains, especially in DeFi, and then the whole modular blockchain world. Um, those are those what are the narratives that I think will really come to the fore in the in the next in the next bull run. Um, and um, yeah, and then I guess I guess also a nod towards this idea of restaking an eigenlayer. I think that is probably opening up a new window into what we can do with tokens and how we can uh, spread trust across the ecosystem and get paid for securing chains. Um, that's a whole other rabbit hole that I think I think is going to open up. Um, I think I've managed not to shill my portfolio that much. Um, okay. Let's talk, now, talk more about George's bag. <laughs> all, 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 of, all of this stuff is interlinked, right? Um, you know, you you want to you want to mint NFTs on certain chains. You want to bridge uh, certain things across. This is all 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 the underlying infrastructure, right? Um, um, that's being built 
um, will come to the NFT space. I, I, I am, they're not separate. Um, and, and I think, I think the NFT world is, is a deep part of the ecosystem. Like if, if, if Bitcoin goes on a massive bull run, you know, the fed decide to untighten and the ETF gets given the go ahead and the whole thing goes completely nuts. There isn't, there is zero chance that NFTs are just like dwindling in the background, doing nothing <laughs> and generally fade to zero. Right. Um, it's not going to happen. It's, it's a core part of the uh, anatomy of crypto and that's not going anywhere. If for no other reason, then you'll have these newly minted millionaires who want to buy stuff, you know, because they don't want to, they don't want to buy a lot of real stuff. They want to buy NFTs. NFTs are the flex. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. I think, I think that's, 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 um, uh, human, you know, um, human behavior. It's just that we spend all, all of our lives on here. Right. And this is where, uh, ether rock matters. <laughs> um, I had a few comments. I'm going to go backwards because I wrote down some stuff. Um, what you were just talking about at the end, I had kind of a revelation the other day. I was talking to some people about Tezos NFTs. I don't know if you guys have collected much on object or hit and, you know, back in the day, but, um, the big knock on it was, oh, well, Tezos is like a, you know, crappy blockchain. It may not even exist in the future. And why would you ever want to buy an NFT that's secured on, on Tezos, even if it's a great artist or a great piece of art? And I kind of believe that it's priced in, you know, so I kind of believe that the market believes that. But then kind of based on what you were just saying, and I had this revelation the other day, like in 10 years, are we really going to give a shit what blockchain the NFT is on? Like it'll be some site we're using where you don't even need to know that. You just know it's an NFT. It's certified as an NFT by this site and it's pretty and it's good art. I mean, if it could be on Tezos, it could be on Flow, it could be on Solana, it could be on whatever. Uh, last and and you also, you probably won't know it's an NFT just because everything will be NFTs. Well, right. You'll, you'll just be yeah. buying stuff online yeah. and the, the background out of sight will be that infrastructure because it's, if you're going to actually own something and if yeah. the concept of actually owning the thing that you're buying uh, becomes pervasive, then then that, that will be the standard. But I think based on that, it would make sense to go back and look, not financial advice, but it would go back, make sense to go back on object and find like what you consider like really important pieces and they're probably not priced very high right now you could probably even bid on them pretty pretty low and, and get some things um i can't imagine the volume's very good on on those sites right now i think we've probably missed a lot of stuff on tezos i won't speak for george but um we we, we were there during the tezos ico and i think that that probably left a bit of a sour taste of yeah to, yeah uh, to, uh, yeah there's a few blockchains that were like that yeah, we 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 they, we wanted. Um, I say we like the, you know, but I think I think we could tell that the hype was so big that that they should have capped the ICO, um, and um, everyone was going to be richer, richer beyond their dreams, and 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 actually, uh, um, there were some decisions made that that at the time I felt um, turned it more from like really cool technology into massive cash grab uh, um, but everyone has got different opinions about different blockchains at different times and how they do their ico and um i think i think one of the major learning lessons that a lot of projects should have had through that time some of them pro probably realize it is that if you don't get if you don't get the token out properly into the hands of a wider ar array of people 
you know, you've you don't have anything. You've got you know ninety percent of your token locked up in a vault, ten percent floating around, and you've got an entire community fighting over that ten percent that gives a completely skewed uh, price of the token. Um, and and then you have this problem of having to get the ninety percent out to the rest, you know, without without making the people who bought the token at the skewed price massively angry, and then your community's gone. So. Um, there is a huge spectrum of projects. Obviously, they've all done token events in different ways, but I think the ones who've 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 taken the decision to to get the the token out in a way that really spreads it as far wide as possible, which is the whole point of being a decentralized protocol, um, and 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 people will live and die by by those those decisions. And I think I think Tezos becoming a a a, a project that I mean they didn't launch Tezos to to not not you know um you know having a go at you know various nft communities but tezos wasn't wasn't an nft chain when it was launched uh not at all so, no but yeah that, that's what's kind of cool about it right like it sort of found it's it seems like it might have found its footing um i don't even know what else people do with tezos besides buy uh nfts like what else do you do with it uh i've i've never interacted with it myself other than yeah. looking at the nft world um, Funny. I've been watching the F1 show on Netflix and one of the comp- one of the cars is sponsored by Tezos and on the camera the, the the driver cam it always says Tezos on the steering wheel I just crack up like who decided like how did that happen <laughs> But yeah anyway. there's a there's a there's a there's a, a a good use of company treasury going on there um, <laughs> um I I always imagine like I always imagine projects you know they're on football shirts or on you know NASCARs and and people in the crowd like looking it up and then getting hit with a web three interface like oh god wallet, like, forget the this yeah. here yeah. Being like yeah. what the hell um, okay so along those lines just to show how freaking early we still are to a fault like so I I said anyway I'm working on a project and I put my treasury of the tokens that are in this project it's an NFT project I did the smart thing right I put it on a Gnosis which is now safe wallet you know, multi-sig with my buddies from around the world and they're the other signers. Well, now I have to figure out, and one of them's an 1155. And so I have to figure out how to like send some of these tokens to people. Have you ever tried, have you ever tried to connect a Gnosis safe wallet to OpenSea to transfer an 1155? Like it's, it's almost impossible. Like if all the moons align and the stars align, like maybe on a certain day it'll work, but like, it's pretty much impossible. And so it's just frustrating that like, Everyone's preaching, oh, use a multi-sig wallet, use a multi-sig wallet. You're a fool if you don't. But then you can't, you like literally can't do anything with it. It's so clunky. And so, like you said, like you read about Tezos and you go click on the website and you're like, well, what the hell is baking? And what is this wallet thing? And what what is this? I, I don't understand. You're done. Like no one's ever going to want to go back and look at it again. So I don't know. There's a lot of room for improvement still, which I guess is a good yeah. thing, right? Because if we're all this into it now, like imagine how many more people could be if it was way, way, way easier. And, and these are these are problems that need to be solved all the way across the ecosystem, and they we're solving different problems now to what we were solving way back in whenever the early days. And these will be the problems that we solve, and then there'll be new ones two years, three years from now. And and I think I yeah, that's 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 how things how things progress. But um, yeah, um, it's not it's really not easy out there still. Um, and um, and I think. That's that's that speaks a little bit to the the slightly sadder side of the ecosystem where 
where new people coming in are, aren't aren't having their hand held well enough for them not to be scammed. Um, yeah. In some ways, it's 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 part of the 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 way of getting into the space. Like everyone has been scammed at some point. It's sort of part of <laughs> learning learning your way through it. But um, it's a real pity that 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 is is very often people's first experience of the space. And I don't know how many people we must have lost out of the funnel into the beautiful wonderful world of web3 because the first thing they came across was a you know bad link that yeah. decided to empty whatever it was that they've just got their hands on so i mean it's um, still a huge problem right like, no, like it's massive yeah yeah there'll be an nft drop like for example william upon just did um what's it called um distance it's called distance so i'm like okay i want to check out i want to check it out so i go into OpenSea and i type in his name Bam brings me to a scam site. I, I type in distance. Bam, it brings me to a scam site. And the way I know it's a scam site is there's no volume, but everything else is exactly the same. Like you would never know, and you and they have stuff for sale for like 0.8 ETH. When the real project, the price is like two ETH. But OpenSea shows you the scam first. Like I, I somehow someone's figured out how to use their search engine and optimize it so that it shows their scam project first. And, and, and I even go to his Twitter site. There's no link. I'm like. Like if I really wanted to buy this NFT right now, I can't find the freaking site to buy it. You know, it's it's ridiculous. And this is like probably the biggest release of the day yesterday or whenever it was. And that that, that it's just such a ridiculous problem. And that's just one of, of many examples, right? Another example is of the Vitalik got sim swapped last week. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and some right. really OG people. Was it the, the person who claimed the first crypto punk from the contract? was fished by the, the Vitalik sim swap thing. So even the best of us who have been around a long time can can come a cropper. Vitalik should have read the non-fungible's guide to uh, not losing your crypto and NFTs. And uh, he, if he'd have followed that, he would not have got sim swapped. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Luke and I felt so so strongly about it. We did a we did a podcast on it, didn't we, Luke? Just just to try and throw something out into the into the into the ether that I mean, it was Luke and I worrying out loud, basically. But we were just trying—we were just trying to trying to cobble together some, some, some advice because it's 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 really pervasive and it's difficult. Um, but again, I think people are going to solve these problems. People are going to create plugins that you know give 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 people warnings and and they they read contracts and they they read they read links and I think I think. I think people are going to work on that because it's causing, you know, capital flight. Like we we might have a bigger ecosystem if we solve those problems. Um, but um, but yeah, the 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 big wide permissionless world of, of crypto, the good and the bad. There's no avoiding it. There's so much money in it as well. I mean, when you've got the, when you've got a nation state up up against you trying to scam you out of your uh, <laughs> your crypto, yeah. and you know it's. It's going to be an ongoing battle. Looking at the development, you're talking about how you know th there's a lot of development during the bear, and then when the bull hits, you know everything's kind of clicking, and then you you identify new problems that then get worked on later. But for me, the, the maybe one of the biggest signs of like something was coming was in the middle of the bear market. I think it was Balancer that came out before Uniswap. Is that right? And I remember hearing about how that works. How the um, what's the term for it? The um, automated market maker, whatever, mm -hmm. automated mar market maker. And I remember actually Snowfro was explaining it to me because he was playing around with it. And this was in the punks discord. And then 
I didn't really understand it. And then Uniswap came out and I remember starting to use Uniswap. But at the time, all you would do is just buy some shit coin and then sell it the next day when it went down 50%. (laughs) But, you know, the concept was cool. And then I don't know if, if you guys would agree, but I think the one thing that was developed on Ethereum that was the most, I guess, important during the last bowl was probably Uniswap. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's definitely up there. Um, yeah. Because they, it created a, a very simple interface that already spoke to what everyone knew was the best product market fit in crypto, which is buying and selling uh, and the financial side of thing and the DeFi side of it. Like, like there's so many different areas of the space and there's so many different things that blockchains can speak to. But the one thing we can all agree on is that the product, best product market fit is obviously uh, DeFi, um, and um, and Uniswap was the was I. But I mean, I I just I, what I love about Uniswap is, is I mean, don't want to be disparaging, but it was essentially a kid in his bedroom that got a that got an Ethereum grant, right? Uh, it's so crazy, and, and that that speaks to how powerful this tech is. Right? There's a kid in his bedroom now working on something that we're going to be talking about in two years' time, and you know. Um, and and that 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 the technology allows someone like Hayden Adams to produce something that does more volume than the Nasdaq in a bull run, uh, uh, sitting at his computer, you know, is is completely nuts. <laughs> and um and and yet and yet it's totally not like we just talk about Uniswap, like you know, um, but is it being is it being co opted? Maybe a a a, a uh, subject for another podcast, but um, it, it doesn't go unnoticed when you produce something that big and that powerful, and then you start doing funding rounds, and then before you know it, you've got T's and C's. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it can't ever yeah. be that. Magic doesn't last, right? Like, yeah, you either grow up and be a big boy company, or so, something happens. Yeah, totally. ICOs were the same. You used to send just ether to an address on a screen. And it was a wonderful golden moment when, like, and then citing like lawyers, and, yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> uh, vesting schedules, and, yeah, all this stuff, you know, and 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 it's it's part of it's part of the whole thing. But but yeah, um, there there are these beautiful moments in crypto where suddenly everyone sort of sees sees the light. Um, and and so the moment I think I think you know, uh, uh, Uniswap is still still right out there as a as a kind of beacon of you know how powerful this tech is, and then as far as sprint tech, uh, I haven't really said anything about it. I, I I've never I haven't used it, so I'm, I'm kind of like you guys. I've just kind of been on the sidelines. I think Pep's used it quite a bit, and um, I'm I'm sure it's what if my my like over overview opinion of it as an outsider is just that it's not going to last, and it's it just doesn't make sense that it's like everything else I've seen where. If you're getting paid this much money to do this little work, that ain't gonna last. It just it never does last. It doesn't make any sense. Like, like I saw an interesting tweet that said someone said it was a Ponzi, and this guy was defending it, saying, "Oh, if it's a Ponzi, then why isn't Bitcoin a Ponzi? Why aren't all NFTs a Ponzi? Like, wh- where do you draw the line?" And it's a, to me, that's a pretty easy answer. It's like because those have real use cases and real value. Like this is all spec purely speculative, and the values being placed on these things, like. Why would anyone ever pay two thousand dollars to chat with some guy? Like that doesn't make any sense. You could pay twenty bucks a month to chat with somebody. Uh, and so I don't know. Just just knowing nothing other than that, 
I don't see how it would possibly last at these values, at least. And then I don't, I don't know really what their long-term plan is. A lot, a lot of these, a lot of these projects tend to front load the rewards, or yeah, how, how, however it works, and and that acts as the sort of marketing engine of the thing. And the trick is that when the when those right. when the issuance goes down, is everyone still talking? Um, sometimes, sometimes they will be. Um, um, it's it's getting it's basically a recipe, isn't it? You're throwing loads of different elements of the tech together to produce a flywheel effect that actually just keeps moving. And is FriendTech the one? Don't know, but um, I think they're gonna. I think I think people are gonna be recombining this stuff around the clock uh, until until something sticks. Um, and that's that's okay. But it's whether people lose their shirt in the interim. That's. Yeah, Could someone do like a sushi attack on on friend tech? If it's possible, they'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> the, the vampire attacks, uh, the vampire attacks are uh, are also part of the ecosystem, right? And um, and you have to build with those in mind, and that's okay too, um, um, to a degree. Um, it it's sort of it's it it's endemic. It's going to happen. It's native to the space, and it's in the long run, it's probably healthy. Interesting. All right, one more question for you about Ethereum. Um, I saw the other day uh, something that seemed like it, no one was talking about from what I could see, but it seems super important about Infura basically decentralizing to some degree, but I didn't quite understand any of the details, but I knew that's been a big issue that, you know, a large percentage of these transactions are going through like one, one entity, which really kind of is not what we want, right? For a decentralized uh, blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, that does get sort of down right down into the nuts and bolts of how the system works and you know i think in in the early days i think gavin wood tried really hard to be the other side of that coin um using you know pa parity to begin with you know was building that technology which was the other side to infura so that there was some uh what would you call it capacity um and um and for you know various reasons lost to history you know that the he he he, he uh, you know moved moved more towards the polka dot ecosystem um and and left left ethereum to to to, pro to produce its own decentralization as it were but um i think i think it's a really good point and i think i think that uh we can all get massively carried away on layer two and layer three hell even layer four um without looking at layer layer one close enough at times but um i don't have a, i don't have a specific answer to how to solve that but um it's definitely it's definitely something that that should be looked at yeah i, mean, I guess my point is it seems like people are working on it so that it you know stuff happens every day in the space that you're not aware of like you're saying and you know we're for for me at least we're focused on the floor price of the monkey jpeg but <laughs> you know there's actually real building that's happening behind the scenes that'll just make everything stronger in the end which is good yeah, I mean the the hope is that everyone is everyone is generally working and that you know for, for their own uh, financial freedom, but also those of their communities and um, and uh, yeah, that I it's it's part of it's part of the crypto world and it being open source and being able to build on each other's innovations. Um, I think that's why that's why the uh, the centralized world is looking at it and one doesn't understand it but two doesn't understand how quick how, how how quick it can grow 
Um, and what's strange about that is they've got Linux to look at, right? You can look at Linux and say to yourself, well, you know, how did that grow to be the biggest operating system in the world? It's op the power of open source. Um, and the weird thing about this is that it's m it's open source on steroids because it's monetized through tokens. So it's gonna it's gonna move at a thousand miles an hour faster than you know the the open source voluntary world used to. Um, and so, um, but it's not but but it's gonna be really messy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. And um, I think you know, we've spent a lot of today talking about some of those messes. Um, but but generally, I'm an optimist and I'm pretty positive that that everyone is actually so excited by this technology and that excitement still still shows through. I mean, 5,000 people get on an airplane and fly to the other side of the world for DEFCON, bull market or bear market. Um, those tickets sell out straight away. So what's going on there? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if you really zoom out and look at it, I mean, Ethereum is still like 1,600 US dollars. Like, it's not exactly like, and that's a bad price, right? But- yeah. If you had told me three years ago right. it was going to be sixteen hundred dollars, they'd be like, "That's awesome!" Yeah, yeah, no, no, that, yeah, that's that's time in markets. So they do it does really strange things. Really strange. Twenty six, twenty six thousand Bitcoin. I remember it hitting twenty thousand and thinking, "That's it, we're done." This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. No one ever thought it would get anywhere near that. Oh yeah, now, I remember. Now, now we're all depressed. I know. I went. I went pretty much like in big when Bitcoin was around ten thousand. And then it went down to like 3,000 or 6,000 or whatever the hell it went down to. And I remember being all depressed and going, if it ever gets back to 10,000, I'm selling it all and I'm <laughs> taking my money out. <laughs> but it took so long to get back. I was like, well, no, no, I'm not, I'm not taking any of it out. I'm in it for the long run. Yeah. And um, I think that's the, the key is, uh, HODL was a spelling mistake, wasn't it? In some yeah. Bitcoin chat talk a long time ago, but um in in terms of things that come and go, the word hodl is still here, and I think it's probably because it speaks to it speaks to the general mindset of 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 what what it is to live through cycles and what it is to have this extraordinary technology at our fingertips. Which is kind of ironic, considering our podcast is called Round Tripping. <laughs> Which, if you hodl long enough, you will round trip. <laughs> I I think everyone everyone here has round tripped enough times. Oh my gosh, um, but that's okay. I wanted to ask you guys a couple more questions about the podcast. Who was your first uh, guest that you had? Ooh. And that was Owen. Owen Owen Barnes, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So Owen's a really interesting guy. He's he's very well known within the developer ecosystems. Um and um he's he's a, he's the loveliest sweet sweetest sweetest guy and I knew him and I knew him as someone who really understood the technology and was very passionate about about it and and had a very sort of wide view of the ecosystem um from DeFi all the way through to 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 the sort of beginning of the nft world and and also we were you know we we'd never done a podcast before had we luke so we thought we'd get someone really really lovely someone really on, nice we knew quite well <laughs> who wouldn't who wouldn't be difficult to interview and sort of start 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 nice and nice and happy and then I was looking at your guys's list. Obviously, you had a lot of money, which had to be a special one for you guys. And then I forgot that you had Paris Hilton. How <laughs> hilarious was that? Tell me, tell me about the Paris Hilton one. I, I listened to it live, or like right when it was released, by the way, because I was like, if I remember correctly, that was like mega mania time, and I was like super into everything NFTs, like all the time, twenty four seven, and 
It's like Paris Hilton's going on non-fungibles. Like my my brain couldn't compute it. I'm like, how is this happening? Is this a gag? Like, is this fucking real? <laughs> yeah, with uh with uh two and a half thousand followers. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> too funny. Tell me about that, please. That'd be so fucking surreal. Uh, when it came about through through Whale Shark, really. Oh yeah. And, okay. And uh, and you know, he he's he's you know always been very supportive of us. Um and um. Yeah, she was great. I think it marked the top of the bull market. I think it did. I think it was a top sign for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but she was she was great. What what an awesome guest to have on. Um, Were there handlers? Did you have to like deal with handlers and like was there some kind of protocol or was it pretty chill? No, I mean, I say so she wanted a list of questions in advance, mm-hmm. as many people do. Um, um, and but she was just super chilled. You know, she was relaxed and. Uh, lighthearted and actually she she knew what she was talking about which was which was great um yeah we were very professional i must say yeah the way through and the way i remember yeah you blew us a kiss at the end and george and i kind of went oh (laughs) (laughs) do we blow a kiss back no probably not (laughs) now to be honest did you guys like shower before and like do the extra like wear something nice or (laughs) my my wife was upstairs on the phone to her sister and uh, the call came through on my, on my iPad, which my wife was using, and she was like, oh, hang on a second. Oh, oh it was just Paris Hilton on the phone. <laughs> oh, my God, no way. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Um, well, hopefully we get back there again. Hopefully you can have some other uh, celebrity on your podcast one day. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be Elon Musk at some point. That's the day I sell. <laughs> <laughs> we even oh, made an yeah. Elon gerbil, but we couldn't tempt him onto the podcast. I saw that. I saw you made an Elon gerbil. Yeah. It'll One day he, he's busy at the moment, but for sure he'll get down his list at some point to the non-fun gerbils. Oh yeah, and tell me about the castle party. Did that already happen? Yeah, that was last week. Oh, how was it? Was it fun? It was. Uh, it was the most uh, ostentatious, amazing party I've ever been to. Oh wow! I've been to some pretty good parties. It was yeah, it was exceptional. But just three a- days. Uh, everyone's all in the same compound basically, um, and everyone together for three days it's not like a conference where you're darting off to different places side events and things like that everyone everyone stuck together by the pool you know all the food and drink was all laid on you didn't have to buy anything um it was it was yeah quite quite something yeah it's good congratulations to trevor for pulling it off and and uh, i think it's been a lot and so he's not doing it next year he's going to do it the year after how many people would you say were there i think it was about 220 uh-huh and then to get in, do you buy an NFT ticket, or how did you? How do you get into that? The original Castle Party in Scotland, you had to own a Bitcoin Angel, band, mm-hmm. which was his drop on Nifty Gate. Trevor Jones, we're talking about Trevor Jones, yeah, yeah. Um, but this year they opened it up. You know, if you had a if you Bitcoin Angels got first uh, first dibs on the tickets, and then they opened it up to people who didn't have them, and obviously you got a discount if you had one as well, and like a goodie bag, <laughs> various things in uh, a gerbil being one of them. This sounds way cooler than Ape Fest, I have to say. It, it, it doesn't compare. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think this probably flew under the radar for most people that listen to our podcast, for example, I would guess. But it's like, here's an example of a real um, event, 100% NFT, right? I mean, was everyone there an NFT person, I would assume? Yeah, it was, it was very much uh, the NFT art space. And, yeah, uh, so yeah. There was there was a lot of founders. There were a lot of teams. There were a lot of artists um, and people that love 
the hearts, really. Um, so it was very, it was very wholesome. It, there was a lot of, you know, really interesting conversations going on. Uh, everyone was super chilled. You know, everyone would talk to everyone. There was no, there was no kind of groups of people. Like everyone mm-hmm. mixed together. And because it went on to like four, four in the morning, uh, uh, and ended up like everyone jumping in the pool with their clothes on. <laughs> you know, it was very inclusive. Like everyone just got stuck in and had a good time. And everyone stays in the castle somewhere. Um, well, there was a lot of people staying in the castle, but there wasn't enough rooms for everyone. So some people uh, stayed in the village. Some people stayed in the local town. They, they put on coaches to come and go at various points throughout throughout the day. That sounds awesome. Did you guys have a role there? Like, were you part of the event, or were you just guests? Uh, well, I stayed in the artist villa. Uh, there was an artist villa put on by uh, Monogramma uh, and uh, Hervé. Uh, so I was very lucky to to get into that, and uh, which was 10 minutes away. I think 11 of us. It's hard to know because people were coming and going, and some people didn't stay the whole thing. Some people came late. Um, and so we'd chill there in the morning and then travel down together. Uh, so that was really... I, actually, I, think I came away from that event thinking, actually, future... NFT conferences, uh, having having a group of getting a group of people together and all staying together is such a good way to do it, um, and bringing in various people from different communities because um, it creates these different opportunities for people to really get to know each other, and and out of that collaborations come and uh, bonds and friendships that that lead to interesting things in the future. Um, so I think that's it's such a good way of doing it. And it's really cool that that happened uh, when it did, right? I mean, the middle of the bear market where there's so much disinterest, but it sounds like it was amazing. Yeah, I think that there probably would have been a lot more people there in, in the bull market, and it would have been a completely different event. So, which is which is right. why it's kind of so special because because actually it's only the hardcore that are left that are still here, and it was relatively small, um, uh, and so it's kind of like a it's a little gem in. The depths of this kind of grey, horrible market, <laughs> uh, which I, which may not happen again. You know, it, it certainly next time won't be the same as this time. Uh, mm. And so, yeah, to be a part of that was really something quite special. So, I'd I'd love to have you guys show a couple artists to me that I don't know about. Uh, maybe a, just a few artists that you guys really like their work or that you've maybe come across recently. Uh, well, that's a really tricky one because yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> get us. I'll, I'll point out someone who who is relatively unknown. I, a lot of people haven't heard about him, and he he was staying in the artist villa, and he is just an absolute legend. Um, his name is Brego. Um, I, I need to pull up his Twitter handle, but he is just the most interesting, fun guy. He he was walking around with a with a, a looper and a microphone and a speaker. And he, he was just a human beatbox, bringing the party everywhere he went. And at, at two in the morning, at three in the morning at the castle party, he'd been doing this all day and just going around. He had a crowd of people around him, sort of dancing, and he was doing loops and stuff. And uh, and I was going to be driving back, actually, that night, because I didn't drink that day, because I was so hungover from the night before. Um, and he said, Luke, when you go, I'm coming with you. And it's like, well, I can't leave now, because I can't take the party home with me. So I that uh, well we're staying. <laughs> so we have to stay at least till the last bus is gone. Uh, oh, that's awesome. What's his Twitter handle there, Pep? Uh, Brego BBX. B R E G O B B X. 
Uh, yeah, mm. total legend. Cool. Uh, he's also he's also an artist, and he does all sorts of like uh, conceptual, uh, interesting uh, things. Yeah, go check him out. <laughs> Definitely will. How about you, George? Any artists you're looking at um, these days? I, 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 this guy's quite popular already, but I, I just want to shout out to uh, Song a Day Man. Uh, oh yeah, who's still who's still making tunes? He's making great tunes that speak to the crypto world about the insanity that's happening in the regulatory space. And and I think it's just a massive breath of fresh air to watch this guy just produce funny, interesting, innovative music as NFTs. Mm. So I, I, I'd i give him a shout out. I think he's a legend. Jonathan Mann, and that is his name? Jonathan Mann. And not, not, not least for the fact that he started the first NFT podcast ever. Uh, so um, <laughs> yeah. so he, he's mega OG, but, but I think... Uh, we should all be listening to, if not buying his tunes, but certainly, certainly listening to them. He's at Song a Day Man with two N's. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. I, I, I've known him for a while. He's been he's been putting out stuff forever. He's I, I don't come across his content enough. You know, it's like Twitter is annoying that way, where it shows me so much stuff I don't want to see, and then it doesn't show me the stuff that's out there that I do want to see. Yeah, it's his, the way. His one today is so good. So good. So so good. No, I'll check it I out. Guess, I guess I guess that's why it was top of my mind. But yeah, yeah. What was the topic of the one today? Printech. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the one. This song is a security. <laughs> he was ripping it out of Gary Gensler uh, again, but uh, it was an absolute banger. <laughs> well, awesome, you guys. It's been a little over an hour, so I think we're ready to wrap up. But any anything else you guys wanted to mention or talk about before we we wrap up? Um, no, it was great. It was great to chat. Stay tuned for another Gerbils episode at some point when Luke and I get get that cart back on the back on the road but um yeah it was really 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 good fun to chat it's yeah it's been really 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 enjoyable um i didn't get to shill uh find labs uh my company and all the awesome stuff we're doing on flow but uh i'll save that for another one <laughs> awesome well we'll put a um can we put a link in the in the show notes uh Pep? yeah if you send me a list of things you'd like probably dropped and i'll put it into the description so it comes up on spotify and all that yeah we'd be happy to and yeah it was really it's really great to meet you guys like i said i've been a fan for a long time and it's really cool to to talk in person or not in person but you know what i mean well it's been Let's a really start. fun conversation cheers guys yeah. no real privilege cheers. thank you yeah cheers that was fun oh, i thought that was great yeah those guys are I, I had a lot more questions so i get to talk to them forever like yeah, they're, uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, you, you, you're cognizant of the fact that these are people whose money's whose time's worth money and you don't want to borrow them forever but oh yeah i could have asked a bunch more stuff as well yeah they're really you obviously knew who they were and knew a bit of the background i had no idea until you said oh that's cool guys. yeah i actually asked a couple of people like other friends of ours oh i've got these guys yeah. on and even they didn't know so it's interesting yeah they're kind of under the radar yeah it's it's interesting how they've been able to like they just don't promote themselves that much which um is a compliment you know but um like I said, I've been I've I've known about them for a long time. I mean, I actually I meant to ask them this and I didn't get a chance, but they haven't done the pod much lately. I and I was going to ask them about podcasting and like how do you keep the the rhythm? How do you keep the intensity going? Like over years and years and years, it's hard to do. And um, it sounds like they are pretty busy with other stuff, you know. Yeah. And I didn't realize that they were full time crypto. Both of them, I didn't realize that. So did you know? Have you spoken to them before? Did you used to chat to them in Punk's Discord or places like that? Never spoken to them until I cold message them uh yeah i thought it'd be cool to get a different perspective like i was saying like they're sort of in this other edge of this big bubble of uh nft land that we're in it's funny like i'm sure everyone no not everyone most people we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis on twitter probably consider themselves at the frontier of 
crypto and nfts and stuff but actually we're all using the consumer facing shit that's like the latest yeah. iteration those guys are actually luke's working on flow um right george is working at a fund that's invested in crypto startups for a long time like they're both much more at the forefront and cutting edge than than any of us i guess so it's, yeah it's really good to get their perspectives yeah um the interesting thing with frentech and we didn't really we, we could have touched on it i could have steered it a bit more that way is oh yeah whether it is or isn't a ponzi i don't it doesn't matter they're, they're doing some quite interesting shit with the onboarding stuff so like they've, they've thrown a bunch of ideas together um one of which being progressive web apps on the phone so it, it's a website package as an app but you don't need to install it through the app store which is how you so we, say if you want to start a friend mm. tech you go to friend.tech you add it to your home screen and then it's a pwa so it still acts like an app refreshes like an app but you don't have to pay apple the 30 percent or whatever and the other interesting thing as part of that onboarding is they're using Privy, which is like a third-party service but it it removes the creation of private keys and the seed phrase and everything from the user so the user just signs up with a apple id telephone number or google account mm-hmm. the wallets are created in the background the keys are sharded so even on something that's quite obviously a bit of a ponzi like frentech there's still some experimentation there yeah yeah yeah. and someone like like george said even if frentech doesn't persist i think some of the things they're trying will be re-rolled into into stuff that works a bit better later on so how do you get paid that's the most important question um so at the minute there's like three revenue streams like the creators obviously if you created one you'd probably do all right out of trading fees because every time someone buys and sells your shares um you're going to get a percentage of fees and i think they're hoping in terms of an influencer, um, they're probably hoping that's what's going to encourage people outside of crypto to onboard because they're going to see how much these crypto influencers are making. Mm-hmm. And people like, at, when they're at the peak of their fame, someone like Kanye, like you get a shake or whatever that will pay 200 grand to have this guy on their wedding or their birthday party. So mm-hmm. people like- Wasn't this like, like the cameo model? I mean, it's yeah, yeah, paying kind of for access to a celebrity. Yeah, I, I can see why at the very, very highest end it might be a real flex to be in the 30 person 50 person Kanye West group and again me and you'll be priced out of it but oil barons and uh, so you're uh, buying you're buying and selling shares of a person yeah and once you've got a share of that person you've then got access to their private chat room and I think on face value it looks like well you're paying for gated chat and that's Mm -hmm. all it is and and now there are websites where you can just get access to all of the chats someone's literally in every single room they've bought a key in every room and they're just fucking publishing the chats for free but i think that's kind of missing mm-hmm. the point somewhat in that you're not just buying a chat you're also buying the ability to ask a direct question and get a reply you're also buying the flex of owning a key in paris hilton's friend tech room so when when it's 20 ETH to hold Kanye west or paris hilton mm-hmm. and it is only rich fuckers that can afford it it's still going to be there's an element of nft and an element of social and an element of crypto degeneracy um it's just it's quite a lot of things rolled into one. I think on face value it really does just look like some shit Ponzi. But I think it merits some a bit more attention because of how many different facets of crypto exploration are taking place on it. Mm-hmm. Like it might it's be on base, right? Yeah, it's on base as well. So let's say I'm a celebrity and I sign up for it. Is there can I dilute my shares or is yeah, there a set you, amount from the beginning or how does that work? So it's on a bonding code. So your first share you go you buy yourself to activate the account and it's like point zero zero one Ethereum or something. But then the next one yeah. doubles and it's it's an oh, it's a bonding curve. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it really ramps up. Um and botting's a bit of a problem. So if you registered now, you're gonna get botted to fuck. So you're gonna buy your first share and within the first block or two, you're probably gonna sell up to about point five Ethereum, point six, because you're a they probably don't care whether they know who you are, but they they care. Just based on followers or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I think you'll get bited when you join. Um, Steve Aoki joined today, and everyone's oh local top Aoki buys the tops. Blah blah. Yeah, blah. But I saw that from <laughs> a tweet. 
he he was almost instantly 0.6 once he'd launched and within about an hour he was like point uh, 1.4 if eth per share so if you want to join aoki's room yeah. you've got to spend that amount of money but then if you want to sell the share so the bots are just momentum trading right they're yeah, just yeah, 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 yeah. ramping up the price to then sell yeah that's interesting so i mean if you were mike tyson you could make a lot of money just in one day right yeah i think so that's interesting so when that all starts happening if it happened that's got to be what they're hoping right like these celebrities start rushing in yeah if they can get like a current k-pop star and and people that are willing to pay a few ethereum to to be that adjacent to the the k-pop star or the the, yeah. the icon of hip-hop or something i think that's when the, the the momentum really might pick up on it at the minute it's just us lot speculating on one another and you have to you have to bridge um eth to to base yeah, First. kind of. But they've, they've, that's another thing they've made really nice and easy. So you register, you, you activate with your Apple ID or your, your phone number or your Google account. Then you link your Twitter. Um, then it says you're going to mm-hmm. need a wallet to buy your first share. But they just give you a mainnet ETH address in mm-hmm. the app and you just send your ETH. And it everything else happens in the background. Oh, mainnet, like, okay. They, they bridge your mainnet ETH that you send it to uh, your friend's wallet. Um, so you, All right, again, I'll play around with it. I might as well play around with it. It's worth a try just to see how it works and stuff. Didn't they already change it from share to key because it's so clearly a security? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Who knows what's going to happen there? And yeah, we've seen in the US, maybe you've got to be a bit more cautious. But well, they don't go after the users, they go after the company. I mean, it's yeah. not like it's my fault if I fucking do it. Well, cool, man. That was awesome. That was fun.